0: All right, church, how are we today? It's so good to have you guys here today. My name's Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff, and I want to welcome all of you guys. It's good to have you here. We are in week four of a series we're calling Battle Ready. Um, this last week, we actually had a conversation with my my sister-in-law, Christy's sister. Um, several years back, they had a horrific accident, uh, and we were we were kind of reminiscing this last week talking about this accident. But several years ago, they had a... Really bad uh, car accident uh, where they were hit by a drunk driver, and uh, they were banged up pretty bad. Um, Mom went to a hospital an hour away this way. Dad went to a hospital another hour in another direction. Son was not so bad, but he was like at the local hospital, and then the daughter went a couple hours away in another direction. So they were all scattered for a few months, uh, not all able to see each other. Uh, during that meantime, uh, mom and dad got a little better. They could get in wheelchairs and got whisked down to see their daughter, uh, Jen, our niece, who was in uh, still recovering out of a coma. Uh, later, we would find out she would have permanent brain damage, and uh, she she shared. It. We were we were talking about this. This is part of you know the family's history now, and God's really done some really uh, w- uh, really powerful things in their hearts. Uh, they've gone through the whole. You know who are we now identity you know we, we were this family before, but now we're different. things are different life is different it's It's just different um, uh, they've They've wrestled with God as you can imagine if you've gone through a hard time before uh and but what she said this last week was was powerful to us she she said there was a period well after they all got back together, they were home uh their bodies had recovered quite a bit, and they're, they're on their feet, they're walking. This is even a year or so after the accident, uh, but she recalls a time that she said, we just, she said, I just got to a place, even though I was a Christian, I, I, I obviously uh, I knew God, I, I even grew through, grew through that accident experience about who God was, but she said, I got to a period where I kind of just was empty. I just kind of was depleted, knowing that this was going to be the long-term haul ahead of us with raising our daughter, who's, you know, she's now 20 years old. Uh, but still, I mean, this is still going to be part of our our story, and this is still a, a journey, still a battle. She said, I got to a place where I was just empty, I was tired, I was still sad, uh, and I just, I had nothing left. Like, I was just, was just blitzed, just gone. She said, she had this moment where she was kind of just laying there, sad, depleted, and she said, all of a sudden, just like dawn on her, that she wasn't, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't leveraging all that there was the leverage to to be strong, to have strength, and in essence, she was telling us as we we're talking about this, she essentially was saying, "I wasn't really in God's word. I really wasn't leveraging some of the things that God w- that God has for us." And she started talking about this passage that we've been talking about, about how we can be battle ready and put on some of the stuff God says we can put on so we can be strong. We can weather the storm, we can stand strong in the midst of difficulties. And so I started thinking like, wow, that's powerful. She's essentially saying she wasn't battle ready, just like we've been talking about in the last several weeks. And so I thought that was powerful to lead into this conversation today that my sister-in-law, Linda, basically said, "I, I, I decided at that moment when I was at my weakest that I wanted to lean further into God so I could be strong. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, like a, a light bulb went off, a switch went off. And she said, I, I, I decided I wanted, I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight and get, all, get out of my miserable place, get out of my sad place, get out of my, my empty place. And she decided, like, like, God, I want you to help me to be able to fight through this battle, is essentially what she said. Uh, and so what I want to do today is I want to I start back where we started Three weeks ago, and I want to read for you the scripture we've been looking at, and then end on the the, pa- the piece of the, this passage that I want us to look at today. So, if you've got your Bible today, we're gonna we're gonna dive back in Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna ha- you're gonna see up on the screens verse sixteen. If you've got a like live Bible, you can find it. If you've got a smartphone, you can find the rest of the passage that I'll read leading up to the one you'll see up on the screen. So, Ephesians chapter six will end on six verse seventeen where well, we're going to look at two more elements that Scripture says we need to take and put on today. All right, so let me do this. Let me pray first and ask God to speak to us. God, I ask in these next few moments as we walk through your word and we apply it, we look at our lives, and I pray that you would You would prick our hearts. We kind of just peel back our heart or the layers of skin where, where our hearts are just open uh, and receptive. God, I, I expect We've all come expecting to hear from you today, to experience you, to maybe have you lead us to uh, answers um, and clarity and help in our hearts. So, God, we ask you to do that for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 starts with, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Um, put on the full armor of God. And this is what Christy's sister was talking about. I just wanted to, I I recognize I I wanted to fight, and I wanted to start putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, we've talked about this portion of this, the last few weeks, and we understand that our wrestle, as Scripture says, is not against flesh and blood. That's That's actually verse 12. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, that's reality. Your, 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 your anger that you feel maybe towards your spouse right now or your boss or your, your kids feel towards their parents or your teacher, I mean, that's not really your battle. We've, we've, got, a, we've, got, a, we got, we've got an adversary who is doing everything he can possibly do to, to, to mess this up. To mess up our relationships, to hurt us with each other, but to ultimately hurt us with our connection and faith and trust in God. See, you don't, you don't lose faith in most anything else more than we can lose faith in God, right? Don't, isn't that where we wrestle when all of a sudden, all of a sudden life stinks? When, everything life, when all of a sudden life just is like terrible, we get weak in the knees because all of a sudden we think that God is weak and he's off the throne. And he's forgotten me. But here's, here's, here's the truth of Scripture says it's not God. It's our enemy trying to deplete our belief in God, trying to erode our faith in God. So always, always know, always recognize in the midst of the battle, that is a real thing that's happening. When you're mad at your spouse, realize that there's a bigger thing that's at play trying to wreck that relationship. So it says in verse 14, so stand firm then in the belt of truth, which we talked about, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. We've talked about that. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We talked about that. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. That was last week. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now this week I want to look at this right now. Verse seventeen it says, "Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God." Now, the reality is, all of us have something of great value, something that matters that we all that we all fight for. I mean, many of you right now, you're you're uh, if you're a college student, you're 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 fighting to get through school. You're fighting so you can get a job someday. I mean, that's 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 a battle. That's a real wrestle a real battle for you. You're, 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 you're maybe a, a, a man uh, and you're at your job and you're, you're battling to be your best so you can achieve, you know, growth in your, your work. Maybe you're a, a husband and you're battling to be a, a pure dad, a pure, a pure man for your spouse and, and trying to keep focused on what you should be focused on and not losing your heart and going elsewhere. If you're if you're a mom or if you're a dad, you're, you're battling over the hearts of your kids. And you're saying, you're saying that, you know what, I've got to stay in the game because there's things around me that matters. This heart matters. These relationships matters. Re- raising my kids in the way that we want them to go and where, they, where we, we hope they can be in, some, in life, those things matter. And so we fight for things that matter. So what Scripture says to all of us, because all of us are valuable, especially in God's sight, God says to us, if you want to win, you've got to put on these different pieces to win. Now, they're they're all metaphorical, right? But they all really do have a a kind of like a unique, specific specific way, essentially to say, whatever piece of battle armor you put on, essentially what that is, is grab hold of God and don't let go. Right? Whenever you go through a difficult time, lean into God recognize who you are in Him and who He is in you, and don't let go. And so we've looked at different pieces of that, and today I want to look at this one. If you've got your notes today, I want you to, get, want you to look at the very first thing I want you to write down, and it is this, put on the helmet of salvation. All right, so put on the helmet of salvation. So helmets, uh, everybody's probably had a helmet before. Let's just, let's just ask, how many of you have not ever had a helmet on your head for any reason, Ever bike helmets, a military guy wearing protective gear, uh you ride motorcycles. Anybody not ever wear a helmet before? Maybe I've just embarrassed some of you. Like, I've never worn one. I'm going to raise my hand right now. But how many of you guys you've ra- you've you've had a helmet on before? Raise your hand. All right, you've had a helmet on? All right. Um, now I um I think when you wear helmets, there's different levels and qualities of helmets, right? Right? So I mean, you buy a cheap helmet, it's you know, Maybe not the best idea if you're racing motocross. You buy a good helmet. If you're racing cars, you buy a good helmet. In fact, uh, when you put a helmet on, a good helmet is supposed to protect your noggin. When you put a helmet on, you're supposed to feel like I could, like, butt my head against the wall, and the wall should hurt, right? Uh, let Let me just illustrate what a good helmet should do for you. Let me just show you this real quick. All right, this is supposed to be a Formula One race car helmet that guys wear going hundreds of miles an hour. So this this guy's got a sledgehammer, and he's putting the hammer down. And minus, like, the visor and, like, the chin guard, the skull is A-OK. You get the picture. All right, so. So it's a good thing to wear a helmet, right? I mean, it's, I, I always, I know guys like think they're really cool. Like I know there's laws in some places you don't have to wear a helmet when you ride motorcycles. I always think other than like getting your head and your hair mashed down, why not, right? I mean, wear the helmet. Uh, so what, what Scripture says, what God's trying to help us grasp is that the helmet is a massive defensive weapon. It helps us in a variety of ways. But there's like a part one and a part two of, like, the helmet thing. Uh, Part one is, like, you put the helmet on, one, for salvation. Like, like recognizing who God is, that he died on a cross, that he took the sins of the world and said, hey, everybody's going to be judged one day. Everyone's going to go to hell or go to heaven. And if you bow the knee, believe that Jesus loves you, believe that he died, and gave his life and and stuck his neck out for us and went on a cross, took our sins and died on the cross and buried, you know, buried the sin, if you believe he loved you and did that for you, so you wouldn't pay a penalty of hell, and if you believe that, that's essentially you saying yes to Jesus, that's putting on the helmet. Now, we've been talking about that every week, and every week we've had many, many people in our church, I don't know how many in the last three or four weeks, several maybe 30 or so, that have said, I want, I want salvation in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I want to, want to be saved, and I want to go to heaven. And I, I think that's awesome. I think I'm excited. Many of you are now Christians. Now, you have done the first part of this, which the helmet, it's in your notes, makes you safe. The helmet makes you safe, right? When I bow the knee to Jesus, I get to be confident, like, "Woo, I'm going to heaven, right? That's awesome. We shy away from the whole hell and the heaven conversation because it's kind of not like, it's not really politically correct any longer, right, to, to say there's like real, like bad consequences or, you know, it's kind of just not, it's kind of weird to talk about in a lot of circles. But, I mean, clearly in Scripture, you get Jesus, you get heaven. You get Jesus, you get forgiveness. You get Jesus, you, you get a, a strength and an ability to advance in your life. Like, I can, I can be a better person. I can be more loving. I can be more kind. I, I, I move further and further away from the old person that I was, kind of locked down in my sinful state, right? I mean, a lot of us know where we used to be. I've, I've come a long ways as, as a as a man. Like, even in my own marriage with Christy, Christy would say, I'm a lot better these days than I was 24 years ago. I mean, she was... She was thinking, wow, what did I get here? I thought thought I was getting something better. Well, I had to grow in that better. But it wasn't apart from God that I did that. That was through my relationship with Jesus, right? So we grow through a connection with God. So the helmet makes you safe, but the helmet also does this in your notes. Look at this. The helmet also keeps you safe, all right? So let's just talk about the salvation piece. So salvation literally means uh, that literally means saved or delivered from something. Uh, and so when I put it on, all of a sudden I am, as a Christian, now I'm safe. I'm safe. Woo. If Jesus comes back, I'm going to heaven. That's awesome. All right? But for a lot of us, maybe, maybe you you felt in, in one part like you had to earn your way to God. Like i got to keep being good enough or i gotta, I got to get good enough so I can get saved. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says this. Scripture says in Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace have you been saved. It's God's grace. God said, I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anyone going through life separated from me because I love them. They're, they're my creation. So what I'm going to do is there's a penalty. There's a judgment. I've kinda, I'm going to enforce this. There's a penalty. There's a judgment for everyone who doesn't believe in me. And here's what's crazy. God never twisted our arms, forced us, forced us to choose him, to love him. He just hoped that you would recognize in our life that we need him. And so what he did was he said, I'm, I'm the one who's the judge. Uh, I'm going to enforce this, the penalty of sin, which is hell. But I'm also the one who's going to make up for this penalty of sin by sending Jesus So I'm the judge, and I'm also the person who's going to pay the price for that penalty through my son Jesus. So the judge becomes the Savior and gives his life for us, but it's nothing we can do. I can't earn it. I can't do it. I can't be good enough to say, God, I'm going to clean myself up enough, wash this sin and Cleanse myself, forgive myself, be good so you'll love me. God's like, eh, you're not that good. You'll never be that good. So you can't earn your way. You can't work your way. You can't be a good enough person and get little stars by your name to win God's approval. It only happens by saying yes to Jesus, and that's through a belief. So it says in that Scripture, it's by grace you've been saved, and this is not on your own doing. It's a gift of God. So God's like, hey, salvation here's a gift. I'm offering it to you. You just reach up and take take it. And the way you take it is by choosing to believe in me. I believe in Jesus. I believe he did what he said he did. And so that's a gift. And so that's essentially what he's talking about, this helmet of salvation. So when I put that helmet of salvation on, I am safe. The helmet makes me safe. Second part is the helmet makes or keeps you safe. Now, many people go through their life crossing their fingers, hoping they've done enough to earn God's salvation. But there are people that actually literally, they bow the knee. They say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I, I, I want to be a Christian. But then they think somehow that they can lose that salvation, right? Like, man, I hope I'm good enough continually to keep my salvation. Well, that's not true. Scripture says this in 1 John. Um, that's that the right verse. Let me read this one to you. First John five eleven says this. And this is, my, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. We didn't get it. He gave it. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things that you would believe in the name of the Son of God and that you may know you have eternal life. All that's through Jesus. I didn't do it. Deuteronomy says it like this. 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. The helmet gives you confidence. Do not be scared. Be terrified. Why? For the Lord your God, he goes with you. Does he stay with you? Here's how the scripture ends. He will never leave or forsake you. So not only do I, can, can I earn my way into freedom or forgiveness and being saved, but I can't, I can't keep my salvation on my own either. It, that's all on God. And what does God say about that? I will never leave or forsake you. Now, do all of a sudden, once you get saved, do you, do you never sin ever again? Has anyone ever been sinless? Anybody? Yeah, just one. That's a trick question. Just one. His name was Jesus. So if only one's ever been completely clean, we we still make mistakes. We still sin. So if we all sin, do you think God gets mad and, like, forget them? I'm out of here. I'm leaving them. No then he would just totally not save the entire population, right? We'd all go to hell. But that's not what happens here. We start out in this life as as God's creation, but we move into being sons and daughters by being saved, and a dad, once he becomes your dad, daddies don't leave. Daddies don't walk out on their kids. That's the picture of our Heavenly Father. He loves us enough. He made payment for us. He loves us enough once we're saved to never leave and never forsake us. So that makes us confident, right? So wearing that helmet ought to make us feel like, hey, I can walk through life. I can take a couple headshots. Why? Because I'm saved. I-, I can go through some difficult times. Someone can-, can do mean things to me. I can be betrayed. I can-, I can go through a divorce. I can even make mistakes and sin, but I'm saved, I got the helmet on. It's buckled on, not by me, but by Jesus. I'm okay. Why? Because I'm saved. I have hope, not in me, but I have hope in him. That's good stuff. Philippians says this. This is is where we get our confidence from. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. The Bible says that Jesus is the hands on the pot of clay says that he is the potter and we are the clay. And essentially he is molding us. He is, he is leveraging life's difficulties and saying, hey, I can work through this with you. We can get through this. Let me let me grow you a little bit over here. Let me help you get through this over here. Hey, in the midst of this difficulty, be reminded you're saved in me. Be reminded that I'll never leave it for and you. And you're molded and you grow through these experiences. And so He will never leave or forsake us, and here's what's cool. We can be confident that the work He began in you from birth until your death, He is growing you. He is improving you. He is changing you. And He's leading you. Ultimately, the number one goal is He's leading you closer and closer and closer to Him. The way we get closer to Him is to daily recognize our salvation, to remember it, to say thanks for it and to stand firm in the fact that we can have hope in salvation, isn't that awesome? All right. We ought to be p- pumped about that. All right. So, here's the second thing we ought to put on. In your notes, put on the sword of God's word. Now, I can feel confident in the in 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 the the, the helmet, but I can feel strong with a sword. Put on the sword of God's word. Now, essentially. Uh, a sword is not a defensive weapon. I mean, you could probably block things with it. Like, I don't know, I guess anyone remember Wonder Woman, right? There's a new Wonder Woman movie coming out. I'm really excited about that. I'm sorry. I watched Wonder Woman when I was a kid. Ed did too, a lot more than I did. Um, <clears throat> but she used to block things with her little wristbands, right? You could block stuff with a sword, I'm sure. But a sword is meant for the offense, right? Right? It's, it's meant to help advance like, no one's, no one's, like, running with a sword, backing up. No, swords are meant to, like, advance and move forward, right? Got a helmet on, salvation, that gives me confidence. But what helps me grow and helps me advance is the sword. Scripture says the sword is God's Word. What helps us grow is knowing, learning, being in God's Word. Why? Because you can't know who God is apart from being in His Word. And it's not just letters on a page that you kind of like read it, and it's like a good book, you put it down. No, this, the Bible says of itself that this is a living word. These words come alive in us. They guide us through the work of the Holy Spirit. All right, this is a little extra out of the notes today, but when Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm going to send another. He's g- going to be greater than me. And when he left, the Holy Spirit came into play, and that's just God in us, there literally is a spirit of God that comes into our hearts and guides us and helps us. it leads us to truth and it takes this truth and it grows us it guides us, guides us it enables us it helps us it just it 's just that constant like hey you 're a christian don 't forget hey you 're strong because Jesus loves you, hey, you can get through this i mean so the closer we are to God by being in His Word and remembering and reciting and understanding who He is, the stronger we're going to be. The more equipped we'll be when hard and dark times come to stand strong. So we have to do a couple things with the sword. The first thing is this: we got we've got to pick up the sword, right? We got actually get if, if there's a sword and you're Hey, that's pretty awesome. Did I just get loud out there or just get loud up on here? Hey, the power of the sword. Okay, so um, so here's the thing. The helmet makes me safe. This is awesome. The helmet makes me safe, and the sword makes you strong. The helmet makes me safe. The sword makes me strong. Let me show you Psalms one nineteen, one hundred five. There we go. Psalms 119 says this your word that speaking of God's words to us your word is a lamp un- lamp for my feet and a light for my path now years ago I haven't done one in a long time I'm getting a little, little sluggish and out of shape but I did I, I used to do a bunch of triathlons and I did some adventure races anybody ever done an adventure race outdoor adventure race come on some of you guys I'm sure have really I'm the only guy here I feel so I feel so awesome wow all right, so an adventure race is uh, different lengths. I did one one time that was like 15 or ish hours long. It was like overnight. You started during the day. You mountain bike. You do go through creeks. You climb mountains. And this was in Virginia. And we were all geared up. We're ready. We got all the gear on. got our like the different shoes we'd wear for different parts. You'd carry them in your backpack. And so during the night was like the most awesome, intense time ever. We were tired leading up to dark, but all of a sudden it got dark. And it was like, whoa, this is like, it, all of a sudden, like, this is more intense. Now we could fall. Now, I, I mean, I can't see as good. So all of a sudden, we got our headlamps on and I turned our lights on the bikes. And we're like riding down dark roads on deep trails and then like getting off the trail, getting lost and like throwing our mountain bikes on our backs and like running through creeks and up mountains. And all of a sudden, I slipped one time and I fell down and I, I busted my headlamp. Well, my, my head was fine because I had a helmet on. Uh, there we go. All right. But my headlamp went out. So all of a sudden, I'm in this creek, and my buddies are like, I don't know, 100 yards this direction. I could see their headlamps. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And I've lost my headlamp. So I'm fumbling around, and I can't find my other headlamp. I thought I had an extra spare. And up until that time, I had not turned the light on my bike because we were carrying our bikes at that time. So it wasn't helping me to have a bike light at that moment. So all of a sudden, I'm trying to make my way out of this creek, and it's now... It's more slippery than ever, it seems like. Now, all of a sudden, the trail is so much more difficult to find. Now, every step I tape, it's, I don't know if it's like uh, I'm putting it in a hole or putting it on a rock. And now I'm just walking like a little ginger boy. Like I'm just like, like, I'm just like creeping, like trying to feel my way because it's dark and we're in the woods and there's like no moon. Finally, one of my buddies comes back. He's like, hey, dude, where's your headlamp? And so we rummage through my bag and I finally find it. We put my other headlamp on and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm the man again. And I'm, start, I'm cruising again, like we're moving, like we're running, we're carrying bikes and we're running down a trail. and We finally find the trail and we're cruising. And here's the point. The point is God's word is that lamp for us. When we, when we absorb God's word and we spend some time in this, I mean, I'm not trying to make some of you just like become like all of a sudden readers, right? The goal is not like, let's become readers, right? The goal is like, let's just get God's word in us. So yeah, you got to read some. But the goal is not to make you like be like just, I'm going to read every day, read, 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 read. No, here's the point. If you really recognize that our life, de- our, our life depends on being close to God to weather these storms, then all of a sudden this book becomes incredibly ba- valuable. It's not just words on a page. It becomes life in our hearts. It guides us. It becomes life for us. So in the very same way that that light helped me, Scripture says to us that it becomes a lamp for us, becomes a light unto our feet. So the sword is only good if you pick it up. Here's what, here's what the Bible says about itself, Hebrews 4.12. God's word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts as deep as the place where soul and spirit meet, the place where the joints and marrow meet. God's word judges a person's thoughts and intentions. So here's the other thing. It also gives us confidence and the ability to advance. So the sword is only good if you pick it up. And here's the second part. The sword is only good if you use it. That's in your notes. The sword is only good if you use it. So I can, I can memorize a verse. And if I don't do anything with that verse, if the verse says, hey, um, love your neighbor, or be kind to those around you, or forgive your spouse. And if I don't do those things, guess what happens over time? My heart becomes a little harder, and I, I actually kind of I, I walk away from God. But when I activate, when I do what God's word says, all of a sudden what happens is I, it's like essentially I'm grabbing hold of God, and I'm going with him. You, you, you following me here? All right, so it's like this. Um, it's, it's how James explains it. James explained this very, very well. James says in James 1-2, it says, but don't just listen to God's word, really simply. You must do what it says. Duh-huh, right? Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So it'd be like be like, uh, if you have a weapon in your house and an intruder comes in and you let him just walk in your house and let him have his way with your wife and your kids. Just slap him around, beat him up, kick him, steal all your stuff. It'd be like, bro, why didn't you get your bat out? why didn't you get your gun out? Why, why didn't you pick up whatever weapon you had? What, do something right? I remember one time my dad my dad um, who I love with all my heart, um, he we had we had something trying to get in our house one night when I was a kid, and uh, we had a back porch, we had a pool, and in Florida, everybody had a screen over their pool. Everybody's got a screen in South Florida over their pools and so something was going on, and, and we just heard lots of noise. And I'm like 17 years old, and I've, I've come walking out, and I've got a bat in my hand. My dad comes walking out, and he's got a gun in his hand. He's like, get back in your room, boy. And we found out it was like a dog trying to break in, and I don't know what he's doing. But I realized that, that it's senseless not to leverage a weapon if you've got a weapon. Here's what Jesus is essentially saying to us. I am your weapon. Latch on. Hold on to me and let me take you with me because I'm going to help you. Now, I love, I love telling stories about my dad, and I, 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 uh, I remember this one experience where, where my dad uh, was, he was, he was at a restaurant. We were all walking into a restaurant. It was uh, my sister, my oldest sister, my youngest sister, then Christy. My mom had already passed away, and then it was my dad, and then it was me. We're weaving through this restaurant, through table after table after table to get to back to our table, led by the hostess. And I didn't know what was going on originally, but all of a sudden, my dad, he just got really, really mad. Well, I wasn't paying attention, but there was a, a four-top table of some young guys dressed up suits down in Miami, Florida area. Um, and they're just like, just gawking at my sisters and just gawking at Christy. I mean, they're like looking them up and down and like, hey, baby, woo-woo, you know, come on, sit with us. And like, just like talking trash. And my dad is walking behind the girls, and I'm behind my dad, and all of a sudden, he just like, whoop, the, 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 you know, the lid's, the lid's off, right? And he's just livid. Well, all of a sudden, my dad leans down and bangs on the table. Like, they're sitting down. He's like now face-to-face with all of them. And he just got this, like, he's like, do you have a problem with your eyes? <laughs> so these four young guys, right, just, I mean, they're all, they're all normal dudes They probably could have just, just jumped up and just drug my dad outside and whooped him, right? But he, he, was, he was hot because you just messed with, with, his, with his girls. So he like banged the tail because you, I, I'm asking you again because they didn't say anything the first time. Do, do you have a problem with your eyes? And they were like, uh, no, sir, no, sir. They were like, no, sir, and I'm the death at that point. He's like, all right, well, then you better just keep them on your own table. And he walked off. And I was like, my dad is the man. <laughs> Whoa. And we sat down, and my wife was like, oh my gosh, your dad, he's just like mad. I was like, baby, no, that's awesome. My dad just have defended you girls. Nobody's going to step up in here in his house and mess with the ladies, right? Here's, here's how God wants us to view him. God wants us to view him like our protector, like he's our provider. Why? Because he is. And the closer you are to daddy, the stronger you feel. I tell you what, my dad's coming in town this next week. I I still, I I think about it now. I feel strong when my dad's around. And he's 72 years old, not like physically strong, but just he and I together. We're just, we're just Murphys. We're the force. We can take on anything. So I'm telling you, here's what, the the whole point of this passage passage is saying this. Whatever the weapon we've talked about, the point of this passage this whole series in Ephesians is all about God wants to show off and show you that he is your source of strength. He wants you to not just listen to what he says, but do what he says. He wants us to pick up the sword and actually leverage it to advance your growth, to become who he's leading you to be. Now, some of you, I'm telling you, you're, you're kinda, you've kind of been duped by the devil, if I could say it like that. Some of you, you kind of know the good you ought to do, but you're not doing it. So you kind of, you got a little bit of the inoculation of, like, the God thing, but you kind of stopped on, like, I don't know, level one. Here's, you know how you grow? You put on the helmet, you take the sword, and you start doing battle with it. So the next time you go through a hard time, and God says, hey, you're messing up over here with this girl, guys. You need to break up that relationship. And you don't do it? You, you, you walk away a little bit on your faith. Your faith gets weak. You walk away and you kind of say, God, I'm not going to do it. All of a sudden, over time, you're distanced from God. You're distant from God. And then you go through a hard time. You're like, oh, where's God? I run back. You find him again, and you're like grabbing hold of him. And he's like, that's right. Get in the Bible. Do what I say. We'll grow. But every time we don't do what God's leading us to do, if it's a faith step, God's saying, hey, step out here. Take that job. I'm, I'm leading you to go do it, oh, I don't have all my answers answered. Well, follow me. I'll make it all work for you. You may go through some bumpy times, but I will never leave or forsake you. You stay with me. We'll go the distance and we'll win. So what is it today that God is leading you to do by faith? You've read it, maybe perhaps, or, you know maybe God's just keep on reminding you of something in your heart, your mind. And you know you need to do it. What is God leading you to do that you need to take that step of faith to go do? I'm, I'm encouraging you to go do it, whatever it is. Why? Because he is trustworthy. And it's always better to be close to your dad. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just give this last moment up to you. God, I can't, I can't uh, tell anybody what you're leading them to do. God, but you, you're alive, you're working, you're guiding, you're leading. Some of us today, we're far, we're distant, and we want to come back. God, I thank you for the fact that we can just, we can come back to you at any moment, at any point, at any time, God, because you love us. I thank you that we can come back. And God, for the rest of us, God, I pray that you would you would just help us to take those 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 next next faith steps, whatever they might be. And God, I pray for the, the, the people right now that might be here this morning that would say, I'm here today, and I think God brought me here today to say yes to him. I think God brought me here today to, to essentially bow the knee and say, I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven. I want God in my life. I don't want to go through life any, any longer apart from him. I want to be saved today. How many would say today, that's where I'm at, and I'll pray for you? Just raise your hand. I won't call you out, but that's where you're at, and I want to pray for you right now. Anybody like that today would say, pray for me. I don't want to go along any farther apart from God. Pray for me. Anybody like that today? Yep, I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me today. I want to be saved. God, I pray for those right now that say, I need you today. God, I pray that they would simply just call out to heaven and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I don't know all that there is to know, but today I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. The leader and forgiver of my life. God, come into my heart and save me. Lord, I I believe right now that heaven's going to be more crowded because of the way you've been with us today. Thank you for guiding. Thank you for speaking. God, I pray that our church, this church, would be on fire because we understand We have the helmet of salvation. We're saved. We understand that we have your word, and it's sharp. It's powerful. It's bold. It gives us courage. God, I pray that this church would advance and do what you want us to do. Guide us and lead us and let us make a difference both in our own hearts, our own lives, and in the city and the world. God, we love you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your grace. Amen.
1: My church, we're going to worship in one last song. And we worship, we always close our service by worshiping through giving and through generosity. And so I'm going to invite our host teams to come While they do, I want to give you just a couple opportunities of next steps. Every week we always have this card in the seat in front of you. And when you're ready to take a new spiritual step, there's an opportunity for you to do that on the back of this card. And so we invite you at the end of the service. You can just drop that in the offering bucket when it comes by. Let us know your name, your email. We'll just help you get connected and make that next step. There are two other great opportunities for you this week. I see a lot of young families out there. If you're a young family, if you have kids, if you have friends that you'd love to invite them to church, but they don't really do the church thing, next Saturday night we have a thing that's called Trunk or Treat, where we're inviting families to come. Your kids can dress up and have a good time. It's out on the church land right around the corner. If you don't know where the church land is, you just go out of here and turn right. There's a big, beautiful field and barn, and there's going to be cars out there decorated crazy. It's not like your grandma's trunk or treat, all right? It's going to be really fantastic. Your kids have been hearing about it over in my kids, but we invite you to come. Invite a family. Maybe that'll be their first connection to church, and they'll realize, okay, these people aren't that crazy. They're a lot of fun. They smile. They were nice to me. Uh, might be their first step to church. Another opportunity that I want to tell you about is this book. It's called um, Courageous Faith. Every single family who comes next week, or to church next week, every person who comes—you don't have to be a family; you can come by yourself. We're going to give you one of these books, and here's why: because Jeff just talked to you about this sword, um, using God's word like a sword. And for some of you, you're like, "Okay, that's awesome. I want to pick up the weapon. I want to pick up the sword." But I don't really understand that book. (laughs) I've tried to read it before. Maybe I got a few chapters in and I had some questions and I got a little confused. That's why we want you to come next week. Next week um, my father's going to be here with us. We call him Papa Ed affectionately. He has been teaching God's Word in a way that makes it very easy for people to understand for years. He's the Dean of Religion at Liberty University. Some of you do Liberty Online I think and maybe you recognize this book. You've done it in a class. Um, But the Thing that's cool about him is he's got like seven doctorate degrees or whatever. Somebody asked him one time, they said, How much education is enough education? He said, You don't understand. I came from a truck driver's family. Nobody finished the eighth grade. So I've been trying to make up for my family history for years. But the fun thing about him is that he can take stuff that is up here and put it right here where we can all understand it. And our our heart's desire at my church is to equip you. A lot of you, you are a first generation trying to raise your family to love and follow God, and you could use some some skills and some help. My dad was that person. He was the first generation, first Christian in his family, and so when it came to raising us and we were a lot of trouble, he was trying to figure that out, and so this book is one of those tools that would help you when your kids have questions and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to answer that. Just having this on your shelf to be able to go and say, all right, I, I can bite off, you know, one character at a time and explain that to my kids. So come next week. If you have friends, they're not maybe against church. They're just not sure they believe the Bible and they've kind of struggled with that. Um, Intellectually, it's kind of been like a barrier for them. At my church, we try to remove every barrier to help people find their way back to God. So if you have friends that have kind of struggled with the Bible and do I believe it, next week would be the week to bring them and every person who comes will leave with one of those books. We want to put that sword in your hand so that you walk out of here equipped with an easy to understand way for you to use it. So right now I'm going to pray for you. Our host teams are going to come. We're going to close with a a, one song of worship. God, we come before you and we just offer up ourselves to you in this last song. God, we offer up and say everything we have is yours. God, we offer our worship. We offer our praise. We offer our resources. In your son's name we pray. Amen.